I remember the first slap across the face and I was sort of just, holy shit, like this is real. They never said that they're gonna ask me on camera, did I ever get touched by a family member when I was a kid? I had no preparation for that. Like they literally put mm -hmm. the camera in my face and asked me that. Welcome back to Lustcast. Two months ago, Paul Mulholland was a guest on my show and told me about a huge investigation he did into adult psych called facial abuse. He found disturbing accounts of alleged real abuse happening on set. Today we have one of the victims from that investigation here to tell his story. But before we get into it, if you didn't see that episode, then make sure you hit the like button and subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any more. So joining me today to talk about our experience with facial abuse is Felicity Feline. How's it going, Felicity? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and my understanding is you've been speaking out about facial abuse for a long time. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I, I'm 31 now. I had first shot with them when I was 22. So it's mm -hmm. been about nine years. Um, I didn't speak yeah. about them for a while, but... After dealing with a lot of bullshit with the owner, I just got sick of not saying anything because they're really not mm. good people. And I think they've gotten away with a lot of bullshit that people need to hear. Yeah. And how did people react when you started speaking out? Were you believed or what kind of what's been the impact of what you've done so far? It's been stressful. I mean, the whole Me Too movement and women starting to speak out more. I think a lot of people wanted to shut me down saying, oh, you knew what you were getting yourself into and this and that and trying to criticize me for acting like a victim. But I made it very clear that I knew going into it what I was getting into. Like, I wasn't dumb, you know, I wasn't oblivious mm -hmm. about what they were doing, but it was more of the aftermath and the blackmail and the mental abuse mm. that this owner does, Duke, and he tries to act like these women don't know what they're talking about and trying to make me look stupid um, so I got backlash from people, but also I got a lot of support just trying to show the mm -hmm. more dark side of the industry and more to kind of provide insight what mental damage porn, but specifically abusive porn can do to the models and then just people that are consuming this type of porn. So, yeah, I was just trying to provide more enlightenment and awareness. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. yeah. Okay. And did you expect anything to happen or did everything what you expected to happen happen? I, I expected to get a mixed reaction from people that saw my videos. I mean, 
over the years, I've gotten cyberbullied and harassed by people mm -hmm. just for doing porn, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. Not even putting facial abuse into the category, but I think that site and that type of porn is so extreme that people are going to have weird reactions just seeing that mm. an attractive woman like me that would decide to even shoot that type of porn so yeah i mean i i, I knew the type of reactions i was gonna get so yeah yeah okay well let's just get into things and just tell your story really Let's like just go right, right back to the beginning. But like, how did you come to be in porn? Was it planned? Uh, no, not not really. I mean, I had a great childhood. I am very fortunate that I was able to have the life I have. Um, you know, I have a college background. I've been a drummer my entire life. I was an athlete. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I was very involved in healthy things. I never had a drug problem. Like, I never struggled mentally my adult life or even as a child. So I was a tomboy growing up. Like, I, you know just being an athlete mm -hmm. and a drummer and I grew up dirt biking. Like I was very active and I was always curious what it would be like to be more of the pretty girl, you know, like to model and okay. things like that. And yeah. I remember in college, I started to experiment more with like my feminine side, you know, and I got into modeling I felt like I was blossoming around that time at 20 years old. And I was starting to get, I guess, more opportunities as a model. And we're talking mainstream mm. stuff. You know, I wasn't tattooed yet. I was doing sort of catalogs for companies. I was doing just, yeah, more, I guess, standard modeling. And then um, I was working a promotional modeling event in San Diego. And I got approached mm -hmm. kind of by like a scout company to shoot my first video or to talk about doing adult modeling. And um, I don't know. I was curious. I was also a little impulsive to make some fast money because I was just a college kid. You know, I was working at Trader Joe's at the time um, and doing these type of modeling gigs. Yeah, I, I was a sales rep for different nutrition companies because I have I have a background in, in health and nutrition. And um, okay. Yeah, I I owed some money to the DMV uh, for okay accumulating a lot of speeding tickets because I was really into motorcycles uh. and I had a heavy foot, you know. So 
I, I owed a good amount of money and um, I was, I guess, realizing that I had to get my license fixed and I wanted to pay off some of this debt. And when I got approached by these scouts, basically, I just thought, oh, um, you know, I can make some faster money this way. I had also tried dancing um so i mm-hmm. worked at a strip club at one point i was experimenting a little bit more like i was getting more comfortable with my body and then i started doing nude modeling at one point so nudity and being i guess you know sexually comfortable was it was i was com- i was okay with it you know um I was also Mm. experimenting a little bit with webcamming with my boyfriend at the time. So it was sort of a progression, like the idea of shooting porn, you know? And I realized like, oh, I didn't see really anything wrong with it. Um, And my curiosity kind of got the most of me. And what I tried to really about in a lot of my videos is that women at this point in their life like around 19 20 21 whatever even earlier you know like 18 high school they're starting to become more sexual beings I guess and mm-hmm. a lot of people in the adult industry, producers scouts these companies they know that like they know that women are more vulnerable at this point in their life and that they're more likely to experiment and so they kind of prey on younger girls at this point because they know they're more likely to want to shoot porn um So I definitely felt that I felt like almost like this pressure by, I don't, by predators kind of trying to get me to go down that route. Um, So yeah, I had shot a couple of amateur videos that were targeted to first timers. One of them was girls do porn which that company is now done. I mean, the owners are in jail for sex trafficking and leaking legal information of these girls that shot for them. I was one of those included. Um, It ended up being a class action lawsuit and the company is gone. So that was the first company I worked for and they only shoot they only shot first timers. So yeah, I mean, I was a little overwhelmed, but once that video got out, it the shit hit the fan. I mean, everyone in my hometown found out. Um, it was kind of all over the internet. My legal name got leaked with it. Um, it was kind of a mess. It was a disaster. I mean, it really... Have- Did you know that it was going to be on the internet? No, no. I mean, 
Oh, so you were one of those. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. I remember with that. They actually even said that this video was only going to be for private buyers that were paying basically for custom videos that um, it wasn't going to be released in the United States. I mean, they completely lied. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I did shoot that first, that first video. Cause I thought, oh, I mean, people aren't going to find out. I didn't realize like the real damage that it might cost to my life. Um, so yeah, I was under the impression that it wasn't going to be on the internet the way that it happened. And they lied to a lot of women. Um, and when I signed mm. that model release form, I had no idea that I was going to end up like that. And, you know, they were very suave the way they communicated. I mean, they paid for my testing. They paid for my flight to go to San Diego. Um, they treated me well, like for the most part, they were very sweet to me. They get, I got picked up at the airport. I was staying in like a five-star hotel. Um, they made it, I guess, a positive experience. Um, and you know, around this time too, there was a lot of ads like this on craigslist on different sites you know for oh Mm -hmm. discreet modeling adult models like all these things that i think were very just it was a lot of bullshit you know like they weren't really being transparent with what these women are, and models that were signing up for how did it feel when it came out i mean i was humiliated <laughs> you know i was just i kind of realized like oh shit this is real and now i gotta f- when did you first realize um I, one- <laughs> this is funny i i was dating someone at the time um and we had just started really getting into a relationship and um I was sitting on his bed and my best friend, who was really the only person that knew I was shooting this video, um, cause I, I didn't tell anyone that I was going to California to shoot this video. I mean, I'm from Long mm. Island, so I was still on Long Island at the time. And uh, yeah, my friend just, texted me and said, Hey, uh, that video is out. Like it got leaked and people started getting the link and, um, it just spread like wildfire all over my town. And, uh, Mm. I, yeah, I, this was months later. So I almost forgot about it because I didn't realize that it was going to come out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, then I just kind of realized um, I had to embrace reality and realize, oh, shit, you know, the porn, this porn, this video's out and everyone's going to start finding out. I think people listening might not realize how big of a thing that day is. 
Yeah. Um, or how big an event that is. Because I've seen interviews of other people and from the same case and their entire lives were devastated. Like suicidal, like they're still having medication and therapy now. And obviously you took a different approach and had a different mindset, maybe different values. And I, I thought you were one of the ones that just thought, like wanted to be a porn star. Uh, I didn't realize that you were kind of, you were manipulated into it too. Yeah. I guess because I saw that you were a porn star, so I assumed that you got into it wanting to do that job. Yeah, I mean, I was curious, like, because like I said, I was experimenting with nudity and the whole idea of being even a stripper or a an exotic model, like, it... I I didn't think there was anything really wrong with it, but I wasn't sure about shooting mainstream porn. Like I was curious, but also on the fence because once you go that route, it's you're kind of pigeonholed. Like you're it's going to be a part of your identity and that's why shooting with girls do porn the way they manipulated the models, like making it seem that this was going to be for private buyers overseas, that it wasn't going to be aired on the internet. I had nothing to worry about. It was kind of like a way for me to test the waters. If me having mm. sex on camera would be something that I really wanted to do, you know? Um, and Around this time, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like, I loved being in school and studying health, and I was really into art. I was playing drums. I was thinking long-term about, you know, what was going to make me money, like what type of career I should get into. And, yeah, I mean... Like I said, too, I had some debt that I had to pay off and I'm kind of an impulsive person sometimes. So mm -hmm. and I, I love experiencing different things. So, yeah, my curiosity did get the best of me, but I just didn't realize how extreme it was going to be with dealing with the reactions of everyone uh, I didn't really think about, I guess, the consequences because I, I really didn't think that all these people were going to find out. Um, and it was a very dark point in my life, like when the first video came out. Um, I got made fun of a lot. Um, a lot of people made fun of my body, you know, just just projecting all this criticism and hate onto mm. me. Um, so I definitely thought that I made a huge mistake. I was really embarrassed. And I, yeah, I was suicidal at one point. You know, I thought that oh, I embarrassed really? my whole family. I was a laughing stock of my hometown. Um and luckily, around that time, I mean, I didn't shoot adult stuff again after that for a while because I was trying to, you know, clean up my life. But I started traveling more. Um, 
I was just trying to get myself out of that darkness. Um, I'm a pretty positive person, so I was trying not to let it get the best of me. But fortunately, around that time, um, I, well, I'm trying to think the timeline. I got approached by another company probably about maybe seven months later. Um, and it was Exploited College Girls. And that was my oh, yeah, second yeah. video, which that really blew up. Like that was that I, I got a lot of attention after shooting that video. And then the owner of that company asked me to go to the AVNs. Um, and it was my first time going there. They paid for the whole trip, the experience. And that is actually what changed my perspective a lot about shooting porn because I went there and I was surrounded by all these porn stars that didn't mm -hmm. give a fuck. Like they were just like, yeah, uh, we shoot porn. I'm owning this. And being around that, I almost felt like the support of all the people in the industry. And I, yeah. you know, I, I realized like, why do I give a fuck if people are judging me that I shot porn? Um, and then I also, at that point, I got on the show Ink Master where um, it was a special four season winners of different seasons tattooed me at the same time. It was like a four on one challenge. So the fact that, you know, I just went to the AVNs, I got, got asked to be on a national television show. I mean, that was a big pivot in my confidence yeah. around that time. Um, and so this is a while ago. I mean, this is, I was about 20 years old or 20, mm. 22, I think 20, sorry, 22 around this point. And that was when I got approached on Twitter in my DMs from a scout, like an agency. I think the agency, it was like Black Rose Agency. That account probably doesn't even exist anymore. It was so long ago, but they asked about- Yeah, I don't know them. Facial abuse. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I was not represented at this time. I was just on my own. Like I- Back then, people need to realize that the adult industry was the Wild West. Like, there wasn't yeah. the awareness about the industry that there is now. Like, it was kind of corrupt, a lot of it. It was before the Me Sorry. Too wave that cleaned up. Yeah. It was before um, the James Dean Me Too thing. That's what triggered a lot of the cleanup, I think. Yeah, definitely. It just wasn't really mainstream like it was still kind of considered taboo like only fans wasn't a thing at this point this was like the early ages of internet porn and this was the time when i was involved in it so i 
definitely didn't have any guidance. Like there was no mentorship. There was no support, I guess, from people trying to help these young models navigate in an adult career. So when I got approached by this scout, I remember one of the things they kind of made it seem like, oh, you're such a pretty girl. If you shoot this extreme type of porn, you'll blow up. Like people are going to think it's amazing. Um, and shit, actually I realized though. So I actually, this was actually before I went on the show Ink Masters because in the first video mm -hmm. with facial abuse, I don't have any of my tattoos. So yes, this was before the Ink Master show. Um, after exploited college girls. So sorry, it's like yeah. such a long time okay. ago. It's a fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that period of months, a lot happened. So I did end up getting in touch with, I don't know if it was the first person I talked to was Duke or Ernie, which is the other guy that is involved with facial abuse. Mm. But I just remember having a conversation and then saying like, oh, you know, you should work with us and this and that. And I had looked at the website and I remember sitting with my friends, looking at it, thinking like, can I do this? Like, am I, is this crazy? Like to shoot for a site like this? And my friend just looked at me and he's like, I, I don't know. I mean, you're going to get a lot of attention for shooting this type of porn. And I don't, I have a bit of an extreme personality. Like I like challenges. I, I don't know. I, I was just curious. I really was. I'm not sure psychologically at that time like why I was kind of intrigued to shoot BDSM porn I had never experienced rough sex like that like it was not something that was mm. really happening in, in my personal life so I don't know it was kind of a mix of things and the way they sort of talk to me was this idea that it was going to help my porn career but yeah do you know what I mean like it's tricky to say I, I do I've heard this it, it's really interesting because um the stories I've been working on here in Europe and I, I shouldn't compare um but all these all the worst companies seem to say the same thing so he does incredibly abusive very violent porn but the way he sells it is like, oh, I'm going to make you famous. Exactly. And, and it's like, like I said eh, before, I'm I... not sure I believe it. You know, if you want to get famous, it's like work for Brazzers, work for Vixen. Or, yeah. But, you know, um, you know fake taxi. Totally. But like at this point, you know, I was not living in L.A. yet. I was still on Long Island. I was still in college. Like I wasn't represented by an agency. Like I didn't know 
how to get to that level of porn working for browsers. Mm. Like I didn't, you know, I mean, you can contact the companies directly, but to get your foot in the door in mainstream porn is kind of difficult in the beginning. So yeah, I was kind Weirdly, of yeah. take yeah, like I was kind of taking any opportunity I could get because at this point I already had two amateur videos under my belt. So yeah, and around this time too, I did try some other BDSM like shoots. Like I got, I remember friends uh, tied me up with, I don't know, what is that called? Um, you know, where they do the beautiful designs with rope. Um, forget what it's oh, called. Oh, shibari. Do you, what? It? Shibari. Yeah, shibari, sorry. Shibari, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I remember <laughs> like doing a photo shoot with shibari and I was just kind of a little curious about that world. I remember going to some kink parties with my friend where they were doing bondage and um, just some like extreme dominatrix stuff and just seeing all that. And it wasn't really like my cup of tea, but I was just sort of curious, experimenting, learning about my sexuality at the time. And, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to understand your sexuality, especially at that age. But you need to make sure no. you're doing it in a safe environment and you trust the people that you're interacting with. So I guess I, you know, trusted this company, like the way they talked to me and thought that I don't know, I'll give it a shot. I'm curious, but, um, so yeah, that was how going into that, I ended up working for them the first time and mm. I took the train from Penn Station to New Jersey at their studio I think the town was Orange like where their studio was and it was a nice building <laughs> it was like a professional setting um, it was a legit yeah. studio and I went up there and they were very nice to me. Like they were, it was not, they were not mean. They like, they were, they treated me with respect. I met the male talents. They had a locker room in there um, for me to get ready. Um, they treated me like a normal model. Like there was, I didn't really see red flags initially. Um, and so when I started shooting, well, before we shot, forgot the name of the narrator, um, Hooligan, was it, Hooligan was his name, I think. Um, he sat down with me and one of the first things I remember he said, I think this was off camera, but he was like, you're a really pretty girl. You know, they were almost like surprised that I was there and I, yeah, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong. Um, I even thought like 
the one male talent, Polly Harker, was attractive. And I was almost like, wow, he's actually really good looking. Um, that I was mm -hmm. almost excited to have sex with him. Um, yeah. And so we did the pre- and For people that don't understand, this interview is for... Um, so that if there are any problems, they can show it and say, no, she agreed to all of this. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I under I get why that's why they're trying to put the whole pre-shoot interviews out because they're trying to make it seem like, oh, look, she knew what she was getting into. She's not a victim. And I made that very clear in the videos I made. It's like, look, I'm not playing a victim. Like I knew what type of extreme porn it was. I think instead of talking generally now, could I ask you about specific things they said that we can discuss? Because when I went through it, I pulled out some things that for me were problematic that might help you make sense of it as well. Sure. Um, yeah. So over the last seven months, I've kind of, had to become like a legal expert in consent, mm -hmm. which is very different to how we think of consent in porn. Yeah. Um, the thing I've learned is that no one I've met in the porn industry actually can define consent correctly. It's, it, which is, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, like, mind boggling. It, yeah, <sighs> it's actually not that difficult, but none of us bothered to learn it. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. None of the production companies. It's difficult to sort of explain psychologically because right you can watch a video and see what's happening right and then they can tell you what to prepare for but then when you're actually in the midst of shooting the video you don't realize emotionally like what it's gonna cause like because you I never experienced that type of thing before so even like I remember yeah. one of the first things I felt was, oh, wow, this is real. Like I'm getting slapped hard. It, it was not like it was almost a wake up call of what's really happening. Yeah. You know, like you don't. Well, we're going to get. We're definitely going to get into that, but let's focus on the pre-shoot interview. Okay. Um, sorry if it sounds like I'm being like overly pedantic. So the first thing they said that stood out to me was, we're in character, it's not real. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. And this was kind of problematic for me. I just felt like that, to stress that in the interview, like it just made me feel uncomfortable, this phrase. Yeah. Um, and because obviously it does signal that some girls do take it as real. It's like they were saying, we're going to say some horrible things to you and all, all of that. And like, do you have any thoughts on the we're in character, it's not real, I can't stress that enough? Like maybe you interpret it slightly different to me. For me, I got discomfort from it. Yeah, I, it's, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, even I... I had to sit down and watch the pre-shoot interview, uh, the pre-shoot interview again because it's been so many years. You know, I can't remember verbatim everything that they told me in the interview. I mean, you got to remember, like this was nine years ago, the first time I shot with yeah. them. 
And I've tried to just move on with my life and not be tied to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I have a career outside of porn. I've done a lot over the past nine years. So just mentally kind of looking back and remembering everything that happens in that moment, it's a little hazy, but I remember that did make me uncomfortable just in that pre-shoot because they were trying to act like they were my friends, you know, like, oh, we're on your side. Mm. You know, they kept emphasizing you're a pretty girl, you know, and um, it's not real. We like you. But once those cameras are going, we're not your friend anymore. You know, like we're in character and, yeah, you know, like maybe trying to hide the fact of how rough it really is. It, it is a little disturbing, you know, because a lot of these women that shoot for them, especially in their off sites, like ghetto gaggers, you know, and we'll get more into that. Um, a lot of these women are a little desperate, I think, for fast money, and they're not really realizing like what they're actually getting into. Um so I don't want to say, yeah. I, I, I think I was a little like naive, they, like working for them at the it's time. It's kind of a bit like, of a, it's a bit of a mind fuck though, isn't it? Like, it, um, it, it is like, where, I, it, like this is not real. So it's like, because it's not real, we can say and do anything we like. I, like when, when did that become like something that would happen in any other parts of the entertainment industry? I, I, um, that you can't. Like exactly. if it's in the script and you agree to the script, it's different. But the thing is, and this the, is where it was, this is where they started to lose me a bit, really. Yeah, and the thing is, I didn't know the exact things they were gonna say to me. Like once, and this is the really disturbing part. Like down the road, I realized, like psychologically, they're not telling me how they're gonna make fun of me in the video like they they just said they're gonna say mean things to me they're gonna make fun of me they're gonna insult me they never said in that pre-shoot interview that they're gonna ask me on camera did i ever get touched by a family member when i was a kid I had no preparation for that. Like they literally mm -hmm. put the camera in my face and asked me that. And I remember I it's was disgusting. shocked. Like while the camera was rolling, not prepared to answer a question like that. And they literally know that. They know that as a young woman, I'm vulnerable and they're trying to get women to admit things on camera when they're in a vulnerable position. And I think that's really disturbing, you know, even like... I would go further. What? I would, I would go further. I would say that um, it's the same thing that happens in domestic abuse situations. What they're doing is trying to break down the girls to just break down the girl's sense of self just because that's what you do you break down her self-worth so that you can do whatever you want with her exactly and, and 
Totally. In the questions they said, they said like, I'm going to ask you some personal invasive questions. I'm going to ask you more fucked up questions. Like I might ask you, why did you sit on your uncle's lap? We want to get a reaction from you. Um, yeah. Really, we really emphasize, they really emphasize that they want real reactions. Totally. Now, my problem with it is that like they're showing that you've consented to this, but for me, that's not consent because um, in a BDSM situation, yes, you can role play very abusive situations. You can role play very humiliating situations where you use lots of bad language and humiliating things. You can be very insulting. But in a BDSM scene, and I mean scene like that you have privately with your partner, you have, you agree the language that you use of each other. Like I've been with girls that want to be called a bitch or a slut. And I've been with girls that may not be sluts okay, but bitch is bad, you know, because mm -hmm. these words can be triggering and you don't want totally. to identify as that. And you certainly didn't agree to be on camera with, with this kind of emotional abuse. And um, exactly. So for me, this was yeah. not, they this was not consent. This was like, yeah, a, a theater. It's not con like, if it's consensual, why not give you a script? Like you can still react to it in a real way, but yeah. agree and improvise around those points. So it's, yeah. but you can give a script Like we're going to ask about this. Is this okay? Is that okay? Cause that's what totally. BDSM is, you know, yeah. it's an and agreed scene. Exactly. And you know, they, I'm trying to think, was, there was, there was actually a checklist. I've got a list of the things if, if yeah. you want me to go through. Um, yeah. So um, the next thing he said that stood out for me, he said, uh, once the guys jump in, my best advice is brace yourself. It's a shock if you haven't had it at the level that we do it. Um, now, the reason I pulled this out, um, you might have a different opinion on it, is for me, this is not how consent works in BDSM. You can't just say this is the level that's expected. You like when, so I've had girls in my private life that like face fucking. Not something I'm particularly into, but I can do it if needed. I start gently, I go harder and harder until they reach the limit that they want. Like that's, that's consent, like the boundary setting, the slowly figuring. Now, if they'd spent time at the beginning of the shoot to say, okay, let's just figure out where your level is. I would understand that. Yeah. But they haven't. What they've, what they've put out is not consent, in my opinion, even though they think it is. Because they're saying, this is what we're going to do. This is our style. And just brace yourself. Mm -hmm. Totally. And uh, I think you make a really good point. Because one of the very specific things I remember, and you got to remember, like... <laughs> being so long ago the video i've mentally mm -hmm. kind of compartmentalized some of the things that happen mm -hmm. because i don't really want to remember um but i did find it disturbing that like you said you don't realize really the physical intensity that it's gonna be I mean, they should have maybe had some, like a warning where 
the male talent could have showed me like how hard the slapping is actually gonna be before uh, again again that's um that's you are supposed to do that like you're supposed to start with a gentle slap and you know consent is you telling him how much harder you want it like a little bit harder a little bit harder oh a little bit too much there you know that's what you do in bdsm you you boundary setting working within your limits is so important and this um i know you referred to it as bdsm scene but for me this is doesn't even look like um how any bdsm would work in your private life or in porn i agree uh, you know and there was no physical warning really before you know it was kind of just i feel like they wanted you to be surprised yeah they wanted you to be shocked by uh, it i think because they want to create they they want to capture that shock value on camera and that's what these type of uh, taboo companies i think are looking for because it's real it's real and i mean what I was going to say before, I do remember there was this one moment where they were throat fucking me, the Polly Harker, and it got so extreme. Like I was choking, like I couldn't breathe. And I had to use my hands to push back on his thighs because I literally like needed air. And when I kind of put my hands on him. He just said, don't fucking touch me, you bitch. Like, you know, and went harder. And, you know, like when, uh, not to be so graphic, but when you have something lodged in your throat like that, I couldn't talk. Like I couldn't say stop, you know? I had to kind of push myself off of him and it was a little scary, honestly, because I was it's like in... torture. It's like being waterboarded with a dick. Yeah, it's I like... was in pain. Like I was actually scared because I couldn't breathe. And then just kind of having that physical reaction like, oh, whoa, I got berated at for trying to sort of protect my body. Um, and it made them want to go harder, which... It, that was really disturbing, I remember, mentally. It's but a crime. It, it has to be a crime. It, it, like, yeah, and I felt like, well, I I don't want to say stop because I want to shoot a good scene. Like, it was, it was psychologically confusing because I wanted to be a good performer, you know, and I wanted to kind of, I don't know, be be entertaining, right? Like shooting for them and do a good job. But I also knew that back then there was a lot of kill fees and things like that, where if you didn't shoot the scene, you wouldn't get paid. I mean, some of these girls, yeah. like if you try to walk off set or you realize like, oh, this is too much for me and you can't finish this scene, they won't pay you. Like, they won't pay you the full rate. And I remember this was something called... Facial abuse pays zero, they said. They said they pay zero if the girl quits. Yeah, and so I was scared. I was scared that, like, you know, if I 
couldn't finish it, that my whole time there was for nothing, you know, and I really needed the money at the time. Like, like I said, you know, I had bills I had to pay and I worked a nine to five job and was trying my best as a young kid to make money. But I made the entire trip there. I paid out mm -hmm. of pocket to get there. You know, I, I had to finish this scene and they know that a lot of these women are in that position. So that was confusing. We could, you know, and like I said too, one of the also really disturbing things that I found was that when they asked me the question of basically like, did I ever get molested as a kid? I wasn't prepared for that. And, you know, what if, God forbid, like I did go through something like that when I was a child and these men are trying to get me admit to admit something so personal on camera. Like no one's prepared for that. It's horrible. It, it is. And you know, like they even said I was like a deer in headlights, you know, like when they asked me and the camera's like this close to my face. I mean, it just, no one, is expecting that, you know? And like, they don't tell you that they're gonna ask you that specific of a question. You know, they also just tried to make me look so stupid. Like I remember they asked me a question about skateboarding that I said the wrong answer to, and they kind of just were making fun of me like, trying to be like, oh, this bitch doesn't know what she's talking about. And they just want to make you look as stupid as possible on camera. And that... Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I just don't find that... It's horrible. ...as it's real horrible. consent. Like, it's manipulation. Like, they're manipulating these girls saying like, oh, you know, yeah, we're in character. We're going to make fun of you but they're not directly telling you like what it's actually gonna be. I mean, in a lot of the videos on their site, they are just ripping on girls' bodies, just humiliating them, making them feel so worthless. And for me, yeah. because I'm an attractive woman, woman like I don't, they didn't have that much that they could say to me from a physical standpoint, you know, like they were trying more to just make me say super vulnerable things. So, but in other videos, like they're basically telling these women how ugly they are. And I'm sure these yeah. women like, didn't know that they were going to go to that level where they're just psychologically breaking them down. The way they do it, it just seems like it's like because they're paying you and they're getting you to agree with it and say it's acting mm -hmm. that they can just abuse a woman legally. It, yeah, um, totally. But And it wasn't okay, acting. I just want to go through a little bit more of it because I made loads of notes on this consent video. I know it's like ridiculously pedantic um 
So they said, if you throw up, you throw up. We hope it does happen. And for me, like, the fact you're puking is deliberately pushing someone past their limit. Like, I don't understand how puking can be consensual. Um, okay, it can happen by accident sometimes, but so long as you're doing the boundary setting, it should be quite a rare event. And if you look at other porn companies, they used to keep it in sometimes, or they'd put it in the behind the scenes. But generally now, they edit it out because they see it as a non-consensual act mm -hmm. because it's evidence of someone being pushed past their limits totally. and they don't want the legal risk. Yeah. You're um, so right. Yeah. And it's it's tricky because, you know, the, even the name of their company, right, it has the word abuse in it. You know, I mean, like, it's... That's what it says on the tin. That's like, it yeah. really is abuse. It's not BDSM. Yeah. It's not, it's not a humiliation fetish where, like, um, public disgrace is a humiliation fetish. Totally. And you consent to it. Yeah, and I mean, And I've even... seen people on that shoot and they have loads of fun. But this doesn't look like fun. And Another I, thing they said, there's three positions of face fucking um, on your knees, uh, head hanging over the couch, lying back, and what they called road head, um, where you're on your knees between his knees, I think. Yeah, when um, he's sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, the one, obviously some are more dangerous than others, but where the face fucking part is was the most problematic i'm guessing yeah and uh this was crazy looking back at this because i remember you know i have actually that was really like the first time i ever did that level of deep throating like i never experienced that in my personal life and I have a good gag reflex, I guess, which I kind of discovered that when I was shooting for them, but it was actually difficult for them to make me throw up. And I believe they kind of mm. commented on that in the video. Like they were just, you know, saying, oh, there it is. Like, you know, the stomach is churning and they sort of made these remarks like, oh, she's finally going to get there. You know, like it was a challenge for them to make me vomit. And it just, I could or feel... Or just to keep pushing until you did. Yeah, I can feel like... their intensity getting stronger, even physically, like they were kind of starting to go harder and harder like to get me to that point where I'm throwing up. And I finally did, you know, and I remember one thing too, they are also, um, they were known to feed the girls certain things. Like they kind of, um, in, they, what's it called? They encouraged the girls to eat, certain things before shooting the video because they want the vomit to look as nasty as possible mm. um and yeah, they said they used the puke as a prop yeah as well totally. you you know and then like they even want girls to eat their vomit you know i mean it's just 
it's disgusting, you know, and like I did not agree to eat my vomit, you know, like to me, I thought that was fucking nasty that they would even want that. But, you know, like I said, they want to capture the girl. The girl's doing the most degrading things possible to show almost like, oh, wow, these women are so desperate. Look what they would agree to do just to make some money. And it's not even like you're getting paid that much. I'm trying to remember the exact rate, but it was... It was under $1,500, you know. When, when they said we use puke as, puke as a prop, that bothered me because they're like, oh, yeah, we might, you know, pour it over your head or whatever. Yeah. But it was just kind of like telling them this is what we do. It wasn't, are you okay with this? It was just, this is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I was just going to say one thing too. Like I specifically didn't eat anything before shooting like I just drank water because like I didn't even like I was avoiding vomiting like I I don't like to vomit I mean you know it is harmful for your esophagus I mean the acid reflex like all of that like it's not healthy to vomit and they know this like yeah they they forced you to vomit like that's the crazy thing yeah you didn't really have a choice about vomiting. It was just, yeah, this is what we want you to do. Exactly. And like, um, they were getting frustrated that I wasn't vomiting, you know? So mm. when I finally did, they were just like, oh, there it is. Like, they were just emphasizing that we finally got her to vomit, you know? Like, it was a sport to them. It was a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what they that's what they enjoy and that's what they make money with. So it's like yeah. the way I see it is it's like a collective abuse. You know, their fans are paying them to abuse girls legally, kind of legally because they haven't been arrested or anything. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, if you can't abuse girls yourself, just pay these guys to abuse them for you. Totally. Um, another thing that popped out for me was they said, if you're not into it, don't just smile. We'd rather see you get fucked and cry. Um, We want you to cry. Just show emotion. You know, like, and this for me was really interesting because the stories that I've been working on, one of the complaints from fans has been that they don't believe the models because they're smiling and happy throughout the scene. But, you know, that is the reaction of most porn models. Like they're on camera. They don't want to look upset for the fans. So even when the abuse or scene is painful, they're kind of faking it. Plus, they want more work. They want other jobs. They don't want to get a bad reputation as a difficult model, all this stuff. But what's interesting is in facial abuse, the girls let their real emotions out. Like, they're genuinely upset. They're crying real tears. They're genuinely in distress in many scenes. And facial abuse are kind of fine with that. And this pre-shoot interview seems designed to kind of like cover for that like oh yeah but we told her we want her to cry as if like somehow that makes it acting but I don't think porn stars are good enough actresses to you know when the girl is has broken down and she is upset for that not to be real and I don't know how that can be justified by this 
Totally. And it's, this is tricky to sort of describe because without seeing like, like seeming like a hypocrite, you know, and that was one thing I got called a hypocrite by many people because, you know, around this time too, not to shift the focus off facial abuse, but okay. there was a lot of smaller companies around this time that were shooting this type of porn. And like, I even shot for another yeah. site, um, asylum that around this time that like I got offered a lot more money to shoot. And it was sort of around this category where it's degrading porn and they, it, it's essentially sort of the same idea. Like they're trying to just get models to break down on camera. And it's confusing because, you know, you want to look good. Like, you know, you want to feel pretty. Like you want to feel like you're an attractive model, but you're just shooting such a high shock value type of thing, thinking that, oh, this is going to, cause a lot of attention on me and it's might it might be helpful to grow my following and like once you sort of experience it once you almost justify doing it again because it's almost like oh well I did it once already but and that's kind of what happened with me like once I shot for them they made it seem like, oh, well, you're, we're your friends, you know, like, don't, don't think that you did anything wrong, but, you know, they almost like get you into their web, um, and try to have you justify doing this type of porn. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard this from other girls as well. Like I posted something on my TikTok today and I'll never forget it. Um, the girl said that after the scene, she felt like, you know, it's okay. This is my job. It's my job to be in pain. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. It was just so haunting for me. That's a really excellent point. I mean, that's, I can relate to that, you know, because I was just a lost younger woman trying to navigate through the adult industry. Like, like I said before, mm -hmm. I didn't have guidance around that time. You know, it was hard to trust agents during that time. Like, you know, you, you didn't really yeah. know who was Even actually now. looking out for you. I didn't have someone, a, a mentor or anything telling me, how I was going to manage my adult career. Like I was just sort of taking whatever work I could get to get me to the next level. Um, yeah, there, there were no circumstances that where you could be blamed for something that happened to you. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're driving on the wrong side of the road or drunk drive. It's like, this is not a personal responsibility issue. You know, it's you went to what's supposed to be a professional company and they're supposed to act within the law. Yeah. And you'd hope morally as well. But um, this next bit, I think, is particularly interesting for me. So there was a bit where they talked about sex toys. And they said, we never know what toy will be used at any one time. So for me, that suggests that 
the male talent just grab whatever they want and use whatever they want so that doesn't imply consent because you do have to consent to toys as well mm -hmm. and then they said uh, we use this toy called a barney as a punishment a lot of girls use tricks to stop the dick from going down their throats and so like the toy is used to kind of punish them and force them um if they're you know not deep throating properly but yeah. what he's describing in this is sexual assault because what he's saying is that look if you don't do this we're going to force you to do it there's no situation where i think where you can force a sex toy down someone's throat or force your dick down someone's throat when they're trying to resist when that's not a sexual assault and this totally. is all on camera in all of their videos and even in the consent tape he's describing a sexual assault but yeah. and visa and mastercard all the credit card companies are accepting this as consent like they're accepting forced sex as consent yeah yeah and you know like i touched on before it's just when you're once you're actually in the moment and knowing that oh man if i if i don't push through and finish this scene i'm not gonna get paid like I'm, I'm wasting yeah. my whole experience and time being here. Like you, well, I just remember I kept saying in my head, I'm going to get through this. You know, I want the money. I want my paycheck, you know, and if I don't do this and be a good girl and be submissive, I'm not going to get the money. Like, and they, they know that, once the camera is rolling that these girls kind of are are feeling that you know and they just really want to finish it and get through it and get their money and so you just kind of go along with whatever they're doing and i i do remember I'm trying to remember the plunger that they use like i didn't know that they were going to use those toys like that they didn't show me what selection that they had like they didn't tell me oh yeah we're going to be using this on you at this specific moment like there wasn't like you said a script where I knew what was going to occur except for mm -hmm. say the positions like they did explain we were gonna do this and then this and then this like position wise, but the details that go on surrounding that, you're not prepared for that, you know? Like they just kind of do whatever they want to do to make this scene. Well, that's the thing that there is a script, but you don't see it, only they do. Yeah. You know, they, it's. You know, and even like when I signed the model release form, I didn't even get a copy of it. Like they they yeah. they want to take advantage of the fact that oh we got you like we're owning you because you signed this and we're getting you in a consent release saying that you're okay with it you know but it gets really hazy like that whole thing and mm -hmm. um, that's why you know at, well we'll get to that but like the aftermath 
for me was the most difficult part. Like I, I'm really good at compartmentalizing things. I don't know. It's just, I've always been able to kind of work through difficult emotional and mental things. And, you know, fortunately, like I'm a strong woman mentally. Um, So I was able to kind of block a lot of it out and just get through the scene and think that like, that's the thing, like what, what you're describing, what you're describing like you say just kind of getting through it is um if you read about sexual assault it's kind of what a lot of girls do you know they kind of freeze up just get through it um yeah you're right and i I, and in this case it's in a workplace you know that's the sad thing and yeah and it doesn't have to be real um yeah it's film like in a Hollywood movie, they don't actually punch people in the face and say it has to look real, so we're actually going to punch you in the face. Yeah. You know, they use makeup, they use effects. Totally. Um, there's no reason why face fucking cannot be actually quite gentle and look very rough. Well, it's not yeah. that difficult to do. Totally. But yeah, no, like that's a great point too, because I do remember once this little pre-harassment video of them getting you know asking me invasive questions like once I actually like started shooting with the male performers I remember the first slap across the face and I, I I was sort of just holy shit like this is real like I've actually I've I was kind of shocked because like I didn't realize like how hard it was actually going to be. Yeah, you can't like even in BDSM, you can't just slap someone across the face. Yeah. Like, and, like that's they didn't... not even sexual assault. It's just assault. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, like they're not practicing beforehand. Like there was no warning testing of it. Like, you know, they like you said in in certain videos, like you kind of know your physical limit before you actually start shooting. There was no warning. Like there, there was no just, oh, let's test to see like how much is too much before we actually start filming. There was none of that. Like you just get thrown into the midst of it and they're capturing that on camera. I mean, they said it's like ripping off a band-aid. Yeah. I love how they tell you like how to get through it and like they kind of condition you like this pre-shoot interview seems more like conditioning as well as insurance in case police or credit card companies take a look at it. But I think unless people in risk management at the payments companies or police have actually been trained specifically in sex crimes then it does look like you're agreeing to things totally. like on the surface it does but if you're not an expert or you can't go into the detail and think about it logically um then it, it does look consensual um so like one of the things they say and they said this quite a lot is like their kind of get out of jail card i call it they keep saying like you know if anything happens that you're not cool with just speak up 
you know yourself that and from interviews they've done with other people that if you don't do what they say and you don't do the scene and you can't do the scene then you don't get paid and they say in that interview even so they say one hand they say oh you know if there's any problem just stop but then they also say face fucking is the most difficult part the owners are specific the cock has to go down your throat you have to do it like that's not consent have to do it is not consent yeah and like you say you've already paid your flights you've already invested in this um they say if you're fighting it you're not suited for this shit we will stop and send you home and if you can't do it and you're trying gagging and whatever that's okay but literally they're saying it for the whole world like like look, we're just gonna abuse you and if you don't let us abuse you you go home yeah and you don't get paid i mean you get paid and you're you, you're out of money they're not gonna like refund your flights or anything are you exactly um <sighs> and they, they seem to like have this thing of like basically you have to they say if you can't do it and you're trying gagging etc that's okay so it's basically you've just got to tolerate the abuse yeah going past your limits and like the fact that it's this why it's frustrating and I'm you know that I'm happy to so happy to do this interview with you to just go in detail and get my side of the story and all the intimate details because a lot of people aren't taking the time to really look at that pre-shoot interview and understand the manipulation that they're doing like they're trying to just make Mm -hmm. it seem like oh look we have the pre-shoot interview with Felicity Feline. She's trying to talk They're out against us, but she knew what she was doing. Like, I'm the hypocrite. But people don't want to really absorb the fact that this company is psychologically manipulating women and then trying to make it seem like they're not doing anything wrong. And that is abusive. The crazy thing is... If I was them, I would have edited parts of this out because it's clearly evidence against them. But you have to think about it first. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing, there was no safe word, there was no boundaries, there was no limits. Like, it's not like, where were the safe words, you know? Yeah. Like, the only thing they said is if they're in your mouth for too long, tap them on the leg and then he knows you need to breathe yeah well and then that was which is ridiculous because you know and they actually took down my first video off of their site like it's not even on there anymore because i think they realized like they were doing fucked up things on the camera like even like i said when the moment when i pushed Paulie Harker off of me because I couldn't breathe. I got yelled at. Like I, I, he actually went harder because I was touching him, and he was just so nasty at the fact that I had to kind of push back on him. I mean, if what if I had tapped him like this? He still said. Don't fucking touch me. Like, those were his exact words. 
And that's in the video. Like, don't fucking touch me when I had to push back because I couldn't breathe. I mean, mm -hmm. like, how is that not abuse? I mean, like, real abuse. There, I didn't really it's, feel it's, like yeah. I had a safe out once I'm getting a cock shoved down my throat. And like, th like I said, there was no specific safe word. So what do I do when like, I can't even breathe when I'm getting face fucked and then I get yelled at by the male performer when I'm trying to push him off of me? It just doesn't make sense. And there's a reason- Were you afraid of him in that moment? What? Were you afraid of him in that moment? Yeah. And you know, that's where also, I've thought a lot about this too. You know, I think there's a culture where having like experiencing abuse or even how some people have like rape fetish, like that's a thing, you know, like people, and I'm not criticizing people for having fantasies because everyone is into different things not criticizing people for like wanting to fantasize about being rough or whatever yeah. but there was yeah like i was afraid of the male talent in a certain way but like i found him attractive though so i tried to kind of tell myself like oh it's okay because like you kind of find him attractive so it's all right that he's yelling at me and being this rough like it's it, it's like what you said about an abusive relationship right like when someone acts like they care about you or you know like oh well i love you so they're sort of mentally manipulating to get away with the fact that they're actually abusing you, you know? And I think it's yeah. also why a lot of young women or just women in general and, and men, they go back to their abuser because they think like, oh no, you know, this person's my friend or this person cares about me. Like they're justifying in their head why they would go back to their abuser. And- well that if if you think about it it's um they do all of the things that domestic abusers do so yeah first they're very charming tell you all the things they can do for your future career yeah. uh, tell you that, that you're their friends mm -hmm. um be very nice to you and kind then they have the interview where they're very mean to you and break you down make you feel insecure um like classic abusive mentality of like the love bombing then the breaking down and then it gets physical totally. and the girls accept uh the physical abuse possibly because the setup was so good and classic yeah. abusive boyfriend territory and then afterwards 100%. Um, like, I, I, I don't i'm not an expert on this but i've learned about it from some charities is afterwards they're super kind to you again and this happens like a lot of, you know, girls in abusive relationships or uh, girls who have a pimp. 
um, someone said that, like, you know, a pimp could say, put a gun to a girl's head and say, oh, I could kill you. And that will kind of, you could get like the kind of mental trauma. But then he says, but I'm not going to. And then the girl's like so thankful and has all these loving feelings towards him. Yes. And like these traumatic experiences form a bond. Totally. You know, so you've got that whole cycle. It makes sense that girls go back. Um, thank you. Because I mean, they are abusing women. The, the, yeah. I, I thank you. Like you just described it so eloquently. And like it's been hard to always ex- describe the experience with them from my perspective. Uh, and that's why it's been frustrating being called a hypocrite that I went back to shoot for them because it like, and I don't, I hated feeling like a victim, right? Because I Mm -hmm. wanted to just be strong and appear like I know what I'm doing and just justifying the fact that, Oh shit. Like I, I fucked up. Like, I can't believe that I, shot for them and now it's gonna be out there and i have to sort of live with this now um i i think there's no question that you're extremely strong um i mean look at how you handled the girls do porn situation like that completely broke many of the girls that did that like they're not recovered even today like you with your mindset, you embraced porn and um, just embraced this kind of fuck you, I'll do what I want attitude. Um, but maybe like with the time between, maybe you were still vulnerable at that time. Um, maybe the girls do porn thing was part of why you accepted it. I don't know. Um, I, I, but you've I... been through a hell of a lot. Like the girls do porn thing, it cannot be understated how devastating that is like i got into porn willingly but on the day when people find out like your heart like it's like you just want the ground to swallow you up oh yeah it's like just some weird kind of thing but so if you don't want if you didn't want to do it publicly i can't imagine how devastating that feeling must be yeah and i mean so as we've gone through that and this like there's no doubt that you're fucking strong thank you so, yeah i mean and it's it's hard because I wanted to just move forward with my life and make the most of it. But I mean, I definitely there there were times I wanted to crawl into a hole and die, you know, because I just felt like fuck. And there there's a reason that company got shut down and the owners are in prison. I mean, there was a huge class action lawsuit with tons of women. It was a criminal trial for sex trafficking. Yeah, I mean, sex trafficking trial. I mean, I had an interview with the FBI. Like, it was serious. And so people don't realize, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that this was. I believe it was it was like less than two years, maybe even about a year, the amount of time between shooting my first video and then facial abuse. And, you know, 
I had no idea who facial abuse was until I got contacted by that agent agency, whatever, off of Twitter. Do you think the like, agency was just facial abuse pretending to be an agent? I think so. Yeah. I mean, and I don't. Yeah. I don't have proof of that. You know, I don't, I don't know. I yeah. never met that agent. They just put me in touch with the owners of facial abuse. And that's how I got in touch with them. I mean, who knows? Like, I, I mean, looking back. It's weird, isn't it? Normally an agent, if they want you to work for facial abuse, they'll want you to work for other companies and they'll sign you, right? And get you other work. Yeah. But an agent only getting you work for one company. That's what Sounds I'm like it's just a sock puppet account for facial abuse. Like it's just more manipulation, isn't it? Totally. And so. I'm, I think Paul touched base on that in his investigative report because there were, I believe, multiple girls that got approached the same way that I did. I mean, because looking back, I, I probably, I, I would have never shot for them if I didn't get approached. I mean, I wasn't really seeking out porn companies back mm. then. I was just kind of going with the flow and it, it was hard to get work. I mean, I was getting emails by smaller production companies and independent producers to shoot for them, but mainstream companies like Brazzers or Evil Angel or Bang Bros, they're not reaching out to models in an individual email wow. or message. Like these agents, these agencies like OC Modeling and the bigger ones, they're getting their performers work. Like they're doing the back end, contacting the companies and I wasn't with an agency back then. I was just an independent model. So yeah, that whole thing is is very manipulative and corrupt, really, because these yeah, you know, these you scouts... have a false sense of security because you think that oh, you're going through an agent, so they've been vetted. It's professional. Yeah. Uh, so you don't get any warning you think if there was something to be wary of they would tell me right totally um totally and and it seems i just want to say one more thing on consent because it's something they hide behind and something a lot of people um say it seems like um people always say yeah but you watched the videos you saw what it was like mm -hmm. so you know you were prepared yeah. but like i just want to say that that's not consent because you know, seeing something in a video is very different to experiencing it. Totally. And, you know, anyone that's ever seen a picture of some food and then tasted it and not liked it will know that. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, you know, I just remember also like going through their website, they, they make it seem legit, but, you know, they have a, a pretty intensive website they have a lot of different models so it almost seems like oh well you know this this seems legit like there's a lot of people that have worked for them and 
the way they lay mm-hmm. it out, it seems like everyone wants to be here, you know? I mean, um, so yeah, that was a very confusing thing and why I did end up going back to them because... Well, how did you feel after the scene? Let's start there. Okay, well, yeah, well, so after the scene, I remember them applauding me like it was almost like wow you did a great job you're amazing you looked so good you know I can't believe you were able to handle that you're a pro you know they made it seem like I was this wonderful performer and this video is going to be so good for my career you know so it's back to the love bombing, like when you arrive. Yeah. So it's like... And they were very sweet to me after the scene. Like it was almost like a switch. You know, as soon as the camera turned off, it was back to, oh, Felicity, you're amazing. And they give me my paycheck, like pat on the head, good puppy, you know, like we're awarding you with a paycheck. And they actually... When I got when I got dropped off at the train station, I was they, they sent me home with the male performer, Paulie Harker. He got on the train with me and went back to Penn Station. So it's almost like too, they were sending me home, you know, like, oh you're safe. He's gonna go on the train with you. And that that was a little weird too. I remember, you know, like it almost felt like they were trying to take care of me. Um, so I kind of kept justifying it in my head. Like they were almost trying to comfort me to prevent me from realizing like how extreme that really was. Like that they were, oh, we didn't do anything wrong. We're your friends. It, it was extremely confusing. And did your feelings, like, progress? Like, did they change over, like, a short um, period of time? Like, the next day, the next week? It did. I remember once I got back home to Long Island, I... That feeling of fear, you know, realizing, oh, shit, like, this is gonna go out there on the internet I remember calling my close friend and describing the whole experience to him and just feeling oh did I just make a huge mistake you know I mean like the feeling of regret came over me pretty quickly but I hate living in regret when you say regret do you mean you regret doing it because of how the video will look or because of how you felt during the shoot both both because i think i realized i did experience like an element of fear and confusion during this set and that these people were manipulative like but and I didn't totally understand that feeling because I had never been abused before if that makes sense you know like I had never make complete sense 
yeah, like I, I, I was pretty innocent kind of at that point in my life. Like, you know, besides shooting for... And like you say, they'd been, they'd been nice to you. Like before and after the shoot, they were nice and people yeah. you liked, even yeah. found attractive. And totally. during the shoot, it's like, okay, this is work. So it's like, I understand being confused. Obviously, I haven't done it, but I, I think I get it. Yeah, because, you know, like I didn't really have anything to compare it to. You know, like I had never been in an abusive relationship before or... Right. I mean, you know, like I had never gone through physical mm. assault before. So I just kept trying to mentally tell myself like, no, this this was acting. This was just a porn shoot. This wasn't real. Mm. But, you know, and like they they tried to make it seem like that the whole time. Like, oh, no, no, no. This is make believe. We're not really abusing you. It's OK. And so I believe yeah. it's such gaslighting though, isn't it? It's massive gaslighting yeah. because if it is make believe and it's not real, then use like movie style slaps, um, make it look aggressive, but be gentle and work within people's limits. Yeah. But it is real. Like this, like they even say in the pre-shoot interview, they want real. So it's either real or it's make-believe, but like they gaslight you into like, oh, it's make-believe, it's not real, we're just in character. Yeah. So it's like, there's just so many contradictions and it's like, but this, this these like, base, it's so transparent, but it works and it's worked on everybody, not just the girls. Yeah. It works on the viewers, on investigators, on even people like me. I'm sure I'm not like, I'm sure Paul's not the first person to have looked into facial abuse and seen problems. Yeah. They kind of try to break down that third wall and make it seem like, oh, this is just one big movie. It's okay. Every, everyone's okay. But they're taking advantage of young women. And really, like, at the most vulnerable point in their lives, you know, especially, like, after having shot for girls do porn and realizing that I had kind of fucked my life up a little bit, you know, by getting involved and sh with that type of company, it was almost like, well, I'm just going to keep rolling with this because I don't want to live in regret. And so, yeah, after the scene, there was a lag time before it actually got published and I had kind of been just moving forward and uh that was also when I I, I got um on the show Ink Master and then I went to the AVNs and so my life seemed to sort of be progressing in a positive way so I didn't really think about the negative consequences of facial abuse until the video actually came out. And similarly, I remember people starting to see it and find out and just, I think people were in shock a little bit that I would 
shoot that type of extreme porn. Um, this is your friends. I mean, this is his friends, family, co-workers. <laughs> I mean, even other people in the adult industry were sort of just like, wow, yeah. you know, what was that like? And I, a lot of those feelings of confusion came back, like once the video got out and um, I just, Hard. It was so long ago. Like, I feel like I was just thinking, okay, well, fuck, I just, I just gotta keep moving forward and, and keep rolling with shooting porn and sort of make it seem like, oh, this is just one type of content I shot. Like this type of porn isn't defining me. Like this isn't really the only thing I, you know, like this is just one other video that I shot. Um, I was just trying to act like I was a multifaceted type of actress and that, oh yeah, like, you know, this is just one other movie, you, you know, like, like, mm. like a, like a mainstream actor, right? Like they, are not going to be limited to shooting one type of style, you know, like they, they, they can do dramas, they can do comedies. Like I almost tried to feel like that, like, oh yeah, you know, I can shoot anal, I can shoot BDSM, I can shoot this, you know, I can shoot more, you know, pretty porn. And at that time, at that time, there wasn't any emphasis on consent. Mm -hmm in the industry um you didn't really hear the word very much until a few years later um so i think yeah people would often think of it of what you can handle yeah. like what you can totally. kind of survive rather than what you agree to so it was definitely a different culture at that time it was the wild west yeah, but I mean, really, there, the, like we said before, this it was the Wild West. We're talking almost 10 years ago. The, the culture of porn yeah. wasn't as accepted as it was now. Like, it wasn't really that mainstream. It was more taboo. And um, I don't, yeah, it was just a different world. So... After going to the AVNs and feeling more accepted, like I realized I kind of stopped giving a fuck what people thought of me. And I also, hmm. I, I was just sort of trying to embrace myself and realize like, okay, I want to get out to Los Angeles. I want to get out of Long Island. I want to start my career and just embrace the fact that I'm a porn star um, or an adult actress, I mean, whatever you want to call it. So there was a period of time I was getting excited to move out to LA and I had to save money and just um, facial abuse. The owner and I, one of them, Ernie, had invited me to shoot 
a modeling gig back at the studio in New Jersey. And it wasn't a sexual shoot. Like it was just like a modeling gig. He wanted to take pictures of me. And um, you know, he, he paid me like a flat rate to shoot. And was just trying to make me feel normal. And I sort of felt like, oh, this person's my friend. And I don't, mm. it was a long time ago. So I can't remember like the crazy details with some of the conversations him and I had, but I do recall him sort of trying to get me to come back to facial abuse because he kept emphasizing like what a great job that I did and everyone loved me. So I thought about shooting for them again. And um, around this time too, I remember, I guess it was Asylum. I shot an anal video with another company and it was my first anal video. And that was another sort of extreme porn site. So I had more videos under my belt and I just sort of felt, okay, you know, I, I shot for them once. It can't be that bad to shoot for them again. And the way they made it seem like I was their most popular model and that I'm so pretty that I could be a star if I kept shooting for them. And, mm. you know, like, it's just hard to describe when you're a young woman and you're naive and just trying to be successful, you know? It's so the classic I ended abusive up going... situation, isn't it? Where they tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. You know? And like... so I did end up going back to them and they also hired me for a blowjob video on sperm suckers, which was their sort of side site that was just blowjobs. And it was not, it's not face fucking. Like it's like a normal blowjob. So mm. I think they were also trying to capture me in like a more positive way, like a normal way too. Like, oh, look, she's also shooting a normal blowjob for us. You know, like, like, like they were trying to make it seem like, oh, we're all buddies. Like she's happy to be back here. And, um, so I shot this second scene for them and I think it's equally as shocking, you know, as the first one. And just the same thing again, basically, is that? Yeah. And like, was there anything different for you? Well, the other male performer was not there. There, there was Polly Harker and then um, Bootleg. Like bootleg was the other male performer. And I remember I was really grossed out by him, actually. I thought he was an asshole, like offset. And he was just kind of gross. Like, and I was kind of surprised that they were using him. And that was, uh, that was a little difficult 
Why was Bootleg an asshole? He was just kind of rude, like, and grotesque. Like, he was kind of mm. gross, a lot of his comments. And he's very rude, too, just on camera. So I wasn't stoked about that, but I was just, you know, I they didn't tell me ahead of time who who the male talent was going to be. I'm pretty sure they didn't state that. I can't remember exactly. It's it's hard if they I would have to look back in text messages and emails if they warned me that it was not going to be Chris, the other male performer. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I just knew that they sort of had their select male talents that they used. Um, so I think Bootleg's their number one, I think. I think he's like the main guy. Yeah, I think now, I mean, I, I guess he's worked for them almost the whole time. So like the second scene, I think everything was like the same kind of abuses. I guess the same kind of feeling afterwards. Like, How did you feel after you did the second scene? So. I felt a little worse, I think, this time. Um, but I think because like I really thought bootleg was super unattractive and I was kind of embarrassed about working with him because he's just was hideous like I I, he just and I think they were playing off of that like to kind of emphasize oh look she willingly worked with him um so I really wasn't happy about that uh but once again, you know, that was out of my control. Like I, they use him and they're, yeah, one of the, I guess their main talents. So you don't really have a choice of who you're going to work with. Like they are in control of that. And I don't even. If, if they told you who you were working with before the shoot, would you have said no? I'm not sure. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't think that mm. there was another option and they specifically shoot with two males, not one. And the other guy that they had, uh, Chris, I don't, I don't know if he went by a different name on camera, but like the other, the first other male talent I worked for, he was, you know, around my age and was, Actually, I became friends with him after the shoot and him and I stayed in touch over the years, actually. And he ended up quitting face. He ended up. He ended up quitting. Uh, it's OK. Facial abuse. And so I believe that's why they started using bootleg more. But yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, I like I said, I don't think I really had a choice in, in the matter. It, they were going to be using him. They didn't really have another option. It was just bootleg and Polly. So I didn't want to yeah. make a big deal out of it. But 
I was disappointed that I shot with him because it wasn't really going to make it look better. It was, it was going to make it look worse, you know? Um, Uh so around that time is when I started after it came out, Duke and I started to speak more. Um, I hadn't met Duke before because he doesn't really show up to the set. It's mainly Ernie and the uh, the director, Hooligan, who I believe they don't even use anymore, but it was them. And then they had another man who I think was related to Hooligan um, working like on the tech side. So there's just several, there's several men that were in the studio plus the male talent. So that was another thing I didn't touch on. I did feel a little bombarded by having all males in the room. You know, like it would have been probably more useful for them to have a female on set. And I believe now a lot of companies, they try to balance it out where there is a female there. Companies are becoming more aware of that. Like they want to feel. Yeah. Yeah. They want to make it's a deliberate manipulation tactic. Like on another podcast I've done, it's not come out yet, but a girl describes of um, she felt, you know, when there's all men around that you kind of have to say yes, because if you say no, that's kind of threatening. Like um, it's quite scary to say no in front of a room full of men. Sure. Yeah. It it is a little intimidating. It's intimidating. Um, because mm. and deliberately so probably like yeah it's probably what they want but there's also the other side is it can also be manipulative when you have you know like a nice happy charismatic beautiful girl to make everything seem safe when it isn't yeah so it can be it can be like a you know, choose your manipulation really so around this time and this is where it gets difficult Right, because after they basically have multiple videos of me working for the company, it makes it seem like I'm really on their side, right? Like I'm willingly coming back and working for them a second time and for for their site, Sperm Suckers. So... It, it, it is a little difficult where it kind of looks hypocritical that I would go back. I don't think it, it doesn't, it doesn't. It only looks that way if you have no knowledge or experience dealing with abuse. But yeah. I think most men, if they're honest with themselves, have had a female family member or a female friend or even an ex-girlfriend that's been in an abusive relationship and wondered why they keep going back. Like, now you don't have to understand it to know that it happens. I agree with you. It's just a lot of the criticism I got from outsiders when I published the YouTube video, and I'm sure a lot of their supporters, people that actually Mm -hmm. willingly watch that type of porn, they're 
their fans, you know, a lot of the hate that I got and criticism were from their fan base, which, you know, it's people that want to justify. They were probably abusive men themselves. Like, yeah. Like, the guys that are enjoying that, let, let's be realistic. There's, what is it? 20% of divorces is because of an abusive husband. Like yeah. there's a huge number of abusive men out there who yeah. will be emotionally and physically abusive to their partners. And this is their porn. This is who it's for. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, and uh, I think a lot of times people when they, they criticize women or or just people, men for speaking out that they were mistreated or raped or whatever it is. They want to be like, oh, you know, you knew what you were getting into. You know, you're a hypocrite. Like the girl who cried wolf, you know, and they just don't understand or they don't want to understand the psychological manipulation that's going on behind the scenes. And and this is just something that was more rampant back in the day before there were more regulations or standards in the porn industry. And um, so Duke was trying to be my friend. You know, he kept emphasizing how much people loved me on the site. You know, like I got a mm. lot of praise. There was a lot of positive reaction from people that saw the videos. And this was very confusing for me because I was also just so desperate to get out to Los Angeles and to make more money and to launch my career in the adult industry that I was just sort of latching on to anyone that believed in me. And he was essentially one of these individuals. And he offered to make a pay site for me. And so this is where my involvement with him was also very confusing. He sort of stepped in like the abusive bo- the, the abusive boyfriend, acting like, oh, I'm going to help you. I care about you. You're special. Yeah. And I mean, I have text messages with him where he's literally trying to manipulate me to get to work with him on a more individual basis. And he's very good at SEO and tech and building websites. And so he said, we can go 50-50 into an individual pay site for you. I'm going to buy all the equipment. I'm going to buy the cameras, all that All you have to do is just shoot the content and I'll handle the rest and we're going to make money. And I believed him. And I also, during that time, 
was a fool and didn't know how to buy a domain. I I didn't just, I wasn't good at computer stuff like that at the time. And he ended up buying felicityfeline.com. And I thought, okay, well, he's just going to give me access to the domain because we're going to work together. And he never did. And then I had some, I guess you could say, mental breakthroughs realizing maybe working with this guy is not a good idea even though like he was trying so hard to make it seem like he was gonna help me and it was also this time I got approached by evil angel to shoot an anal scene with Mike Adriano who was a pretty big male porn star at the time. I mean, he still is pretty popular, but Evil Angel was a bigger company and they offered a lot of, a pretty good amount of money and to get my flight to Los Angeles and to also give me the opportunity to stay at um, a porn shoot like a, a set house so I would have lodging and I realized like oh shit I'm finally getting approached by bigger companies like I don't need to work with this guy you know like I I'm on to bigger things and so I politely told Duke that I do, I, I don't, I don't want to work with you. Like I'm going to move to LA. I'm finally starting to get more work. I'm just not interested. And he turned on me after that. He refused mm. to give me the domain back. And he essentially was blackmailing me, telling me that, oh, I'll give you the domain if you work for me for free again. And... Or you could work at an expo. Um, forgot the name. I think it's Exotica, the porn expos. Mm -hmm. They had they, they had one in New Jersey, you know, and Florida and Vegas. So yeah, they're there, everywhere, aren't they? There was one in New Jersey coming up, and he asked me to work at the booth representing facial abuse because he wanted to get a booth there and I told him I didn't I didn't want to work for him again you know like I was done I wasn't interested and um he just turned on me and then there was a lot of just rude comments and then he made a fake blog on FelicityFeline.com pretending to be me as if I was writing it and just linking all of his sites to basically trying to make it seem like I'm promoting him. And I never mm. gave him permission to do that. I told him flat out I did not want to work with him anymore. And yeah, he, he turned into a fucking asshole. And I felt like he was trying to make my life miserable 
after that. And I was moving on, like I moved to LA and I ended up, I have a trademark on Felicity Feline. And I told him, look, I have a trademark. I want the domain back. And once again, he refused to cooperate with me. He said, I'll give you your domain if you work with me again. And it became like this battle with him. And it mm. was years before I finally spoke out because it wasn't just him refusing to give back, to give me the domain and to take the blog down, but it was also him constantly on Twitter and different platforms, just putting clips out of me and using my name to just blow up facial abuse. Like he just was continuously trying to just latch me onto this company that I didn't want to work for again. Almost like he was trying to attach myself, attach himself to my career as I was growing. And he was just felt mm. defacing my name, just saying like, oh, I am facial abuse, like Felicity. Oh, facial abuse will always be your, your best, your best performance. And it was really difficult because it felt like no matter what I did, I wouldn't be able to move forward from working with them. It was just like a constant slap in the face that, oh, you'll never be more than facial abuse. And this is where, like, psychologically, it's been so difficult for me. Um, and I've had to go to therapy talking about it because I really felt like Duke was completely bullying my life. And it's specifically Duke. I never got contacted by Ernie or Hooligan or the male talents. It was specifically Duke. And I, mm. he's a fucking asshole. Like he's a goddamn bully and he deserves to be outed. And I'm sure, you know, there's multiple other women that have had issues with him. Like he is a misogynist asshole that tries to ruin lives. And so I just had it. And, um, I spoke to lawyers about getting the domain and getting the blog taken down. And it was just very, very frustrating. And so that's when I decided years later, trying to think, I think I updated my first video um, in 2016. I believe, mm -hmm. but it was the first time I spoke out publicly like about working for them. And I make it very clear in the video that I knew what I was getting myself into as far as the content, but not being ready for the psychological damage that it caused me over the years. And yeah. like, like I said, we're, we're talking well, nine years yeah. ago. So 
I think we went still... into like the consent things really well. Yeah. And I think people are going to understand that. Yeah. And I mean, even like the video that I put out on YouTube and I uploaded it on X videos too. I clearly am kind of using it as a warning video, like basically warning other people that you should think twice about shooting this type of content. Like I'm not being condescending or trying to tell people that porn is bad. You know, don't shoot porn. It's more of just, look, make your own decisions, you know, do what you want to do in life, but maybe think twice about shooting abusive porn and supporting it because it ruins lives and it's very manipulative and there's a lot that goes on that people don't talk about. And individuals like Duke and other predators in the adult industry are not good people and they take advantage of young women. And, and no one, very few people want to speak out against this type of porn and individuals like dudes. It's crazy. Because they're scared. You know, they're scared of getting blacklisted. They're scared of getting cyber bullied. And that's been really difficult. If it wasn't for Duke pushing you so much and you being so strong, maybe you would have just kept it secret forever. Like... Yeah. And I mean, it's just, he he has this just army of bullies that harass me on the internet. I mean, just, I'm bombarded all the time by comments from pieces of shit that comment on my drumming videos that comment on every type of thing I try to put out that's not even related to porn, you know? And I mean, I'm a certified nutrition coach. I worked as a health professional for years. I'm a, I'm a fitness trainer. I'm a certified yoga instructor. I mean, I'm a professional drummer. I literally am, I, I, I just, I've done so much other work besides porn and trying to move forward with my life that it's really frustrating that I have to constantly be associated with this type of company and these people years and years later. It's just, and then uh. them uploading the consent videos, it's funny to me that he took the first video off of his site and then the consent video that they uploaded is me wearing a long sleeve shirt. So you can, you don't even see my tattoos because that video, I mean, it's, it was done so many years ago. I didn't even have sleeves back then. And he doesn't put a date on the video, which I found funny because like I'm him uploading it on YouTube, which I'm also stating my legal name in the consent video. Yeah. And I never gave him permission on the model release form or verbally 
on camera that they could use my legal name publicly. Yeah, he's it's doxing, isn't it? He's releasing your personal information without permission. Yeah. It's, um, it's a crime. In my conversations with him, in text messages, I literally tell him, you don't have permission to use my legal name in an adult video. Even a consent form, like, it's illegal. And his response was, oh, well, he, ever since you uploaded that YouTube video, I've had people coming after me, harassing me, you know, harassing my family. And I'm just like, well, what do you expect? I mean, I'm speaking out and telling the truth about what's been happening. And it's illegal that you're using my legal name and that you've had a blog impersonating me, trying to humiliate me when I'm also, when I legally own my trademark. And another reason why I haven't completely gone after him legally with the lawyer is because it's expensive, number one, it's mm -hmm. hard to find an attorney that even understands this type of case with porn. And it's, it's also just mentally taxing for me to constantly have to relive all this bullshit. And it, it, it's just yeah. affecting my life and career, what he's been doing. And then, yeah. yeah I have just a small taste of that. And it's like just to add some color for people that don't understand like I i'm not a victim but i've been investigating and campaigning on behalf of a lot of other girls yeah. and the harassment you fall under the stress of dealing with different types of people um, various threats or intimidation it's off the charts and it's like if you're yeah. a victim too it has I, I to relive some and trauma every time you deal with it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And it's not like you didn't have enough to deal with, seeing as, you know, girls do porn was how you got into porn. So it's, um, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, it takes it's exhausting. And it's just, it's just continuous. And I mean, this is something too, I've also spoke about, about the porn industry is that I have found it, even beyond facial abuse, I found it so disturbing that these companies literally make a profit off of you for the rest of your life. And you're, you're paid a one-time fee. You're not making any royalties. You know, you're not really benefiting at all except for exposure after the videos come out and you know people make mistakes and they grow and learn from it but to have footage of you out there on the internet for the rest of your life and basically not being in the control to get it removed or to really just benefit from it long term I just feel like people should really think twice about it. And that's why I'm very supportive of 
sites like OnlyFans where people have creative control of content because these porn companies don't give you any control. And to have to continue to relive experiences like working for facial abuse, it's just really psychologically damaging. And I think a lot of young women or men don't really realize that when they're signing up to shoot. The truth is there's no benefit to doing mainstream porn anymore. Yeah, um, exactly. All you're doing is like creating a rival that's also going to compete against you at selling your own content. Yeah. So it's like, sure, you can maybe grow a little bit faster, but the girls that have never done porn make much more money than the girls that have done mainstream porn. Yeah. It's just... Totally. And I mean, granted, like I'm not going to take away the fact that shooting for browsers and shooting for certain companies that are on a larger scale, like it has helped me grow a following, right? Into a, to an extent. Uh, but other than that, and the fact that, okay, people can look you up and see some of the work that you've done it doesn't really help. And and there's no health care for performers. Like people aren't really looking out for you in the industry. And then mm-hmm. even just a lot of the mainstream agencies, there's a lot of corrupt stuff that goes on in that where agents are taking advantage of performers. A lot of them, you know, not to trash every agent or agency because I'm sure, you know, people have positive experiences too, but a lot of these agents, I've seen it firsthand where they push women into escorting because there's more money in that than shooting porn. And the turnover of being a performer is so quick. I mean, it's so competitive and a lot of these companies just push you to shoot outside of your comfort zone because there's more shock value. They're trying to get whatever they can squeeze out of the performer and they're trying to push performers outside of their comfort zone. And I think particularly in America, that's changed a lot now. Most of that's gone yeah um like the agents are still bad um like we've got Derek Kay uh awaiting trial for pimping and we've got uh Dave Rock lost his agency the other week because he was secretly filming the models and trying to bang them all the time but the you're right about the escorting side and um but I would say the porn productions themselves specifically in America have generally you don't hear many incidents of girls being pushed past their limits anymore. The problem you hear is that there's performers that will go past limits. Mm-hmm. And the issue seems to be more with star performers being protected rather than productions themselves being bad. Yeah. Um, well, because it's also... But it has improved a lot from the time, from a few years ago. Yeah, Sorry. it has. Because I think people just have more awareness and things like the Me Too movement, 
people are finally speaking out and educating people about what's really going on behind the scenes. But the porn industry is so cutthroat and competitive. So I feel a lot of performers and I've, I've felt this pressure before where I get asked to shoot, you know, I've got asked to shot DP scenes, orgies, you know, just extreme things, you know, ass to mouth, like Uh things like that, that are just more extreme in nature, but, and they'll offer more money, a lot of, you know, shooting the more extreme type of scenes, but some performers think that it's a positive thing to go outside their comfort zone because it's going to help their career. But I don't think a lot of them yeah. realize sometimes it, like the after effects, they realize like, oh, shoot, you know, I didn't really enjoy this or they realize like maybe it's not something they're actually into and they experience regret. It's a complicated thing. Yeah. I, I think like definitely some people go in wanting to be the next big star and their yeah. strategy to do that is to push their limits as far as they can yeah but you know they're willingly pushing their own limits and yeah. that's okay yeah. like who hasn't been a young person that made mistakes with alcohol with drugs with sex you know I think it's quite natural in a way and yeah. um it's when you don't have a choice or when you're pressured that that's when it's a problem for me but I do think it's changed a lot like I look now and, you know, many people who retired from porn years ago, they're back because of OnlyFans. Um, The lifespan of a porn star used to be two years. Like that was the average career length. Now I never see it ending. I don't see, unless like someone has a child and suddenly has a Christian conversion, you know, and they're like, I could never do this because I've had a child and I've changed all my views. Um, I don't see people retiring. They seem quite happy so long as they're just like selling Maybe they tone it down and only sell nudes. But yeah. I well, I think the careers of a porn star has gone from two years to 20 or 30. We don't know now. Absolutely. So it's a no, really good thing, I think. It's a really good thing. I, I think so too, right? Like, like you know, I'm, and I never wanted to seem like I was anti-porn because I'm very supportive of people owning their sexuality and doing what they want to do. And some people really enjoy doing porn you know like they think it's empowering it's giving them a lot of ownership of their sexuality and i don't regret working in porn i regret working with certain companies and certain individuals but i think that could be any industry right but i i sort of took my time i mean because Granted, I started shooting the first video, I was 20, and then now I'm 31. I kind of stopped shooting mainstream porn years ago, but I tried to stretch out my career at least, I mean, over five years of shooting mainstream with mainstream companies because I just, I didn't shoot that much. Like I sort of paced myself because mm-hmm. I didn't want to see myself burn out. And I did really witness a lot of that in in the earlier days 
where I saw some of my friends, even like other performers just burn themselves out. Like, cause they shot so much in a short period of time that it exhausted them. And even a lot of people sometimes resort to drugs. Like I, I did notice that like a lot of, some of my friends, they did a lot of Xanax. They would drink a lot. There was a lot of drugs like in the industry. And I mean, I think that's with the yeah. music industry too. But do you, but do you think that's all industries? Them, yeah. Because I like even, like, I mean, I lived in London a long time and like, especially on sales floors or in the city in finance, like, you know, there's a lot of drugs there too. I, I'm just, I feel a bit, I, I always, I'm reluctant to kind of link porn to drugs per se, because I think it's more of just a modern society thing. Because yeah. like, even the most sophisticated jobs are full of drugs. Like, totally. Just, you know, if yeah. your job's boring, you're getting high to spice things up. If your job's stressful, you're chilling. It, it, like on the sales floor I was on in one company, People were like snorting coke just to be alert, you know, and just to do a good job. Yeah. Um, it was quite common. Totally. And I agree. And I mean, I'm... So I just, yeah, I think we just have to be careful with... Yeah, it's in every industry. You're right. And maybe we're a little bit off topic as well. I guess a key question for me is, like, what should happen to facial abuse? What do we do? Um, who, whose responsibility is it? Yeah, well... I think, I, I honestly think that they've done of they they've done a lot of illegal things and they need to be exposed. And even you know we have talked about the racist things that are going on with yeah yeah you know I don't know if we have time to talk about that. I'm actually gonna I'm writing a video essay about that because it's such a crazy story. And I'm going to pull together some clips. Um, but if you want to give your opinion on it, absolutely, you can. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I really, I think Duke is, is just not a good person. I think he's very manipulative and has a lot of issues and has a lot of issues against women. And I mean, even on his, mm. on the site, like having a site ghetto gaggers and the latino site he's literally targeting race like these target he's targeting specific races of women and taking that angle i just think is setting up a really bad perspective towards women um i found that really racist and just wrong um and I, I i think that that type of angle in porn really shouldn't be tolerated or promoted i think porn is often racist or misogynistic um and i don't think it needs to be i think bdsm gives us such a good framework for exploring those things consensually that porn doesn't need to be racist or um or misogynistic um, yeah. but for some reason it is 
And I think it comes from company owners. If the company owner is racist or sexist or whatever, it filters through. Um, and I agree with you, facial abuse, they take it to whole new levels. Like they had a performer performing in blackface with black girls it, in like 2020, I think. Like this is like not like some archaic thing that people regret. You know, they did it knowing it would be controversial. Not illegal, of course, you know, but it says a lot about a person's views. And when you're like the way I describe ghetto gaggers is it's a hate crime pretending to be a porn site. Yeah. Um, the way I agree. I describe facial abuse is it it's domestic violence. Like that's what it is. It, it's not like I don't think these things are porn. They're but I don't know what can be done about them. Um, I don't know how you shut the sites down. Um, it seems like the authorities are not interested. Like yeah. all these crimes are just uploaded to the internet publicly for everybody to see. And even in these consent tapes, they're just openly admitting to crimes. Like th th that's not consent. But who cares? Like, is it because... Like, you do start to wonder, like, is it just because sex workers are seen as, like, you know, oh, they're sex workers, who cares about them? Like, it's their fault, they made the stupid decision, like, or like this stereotype that all porn is bad somehow. So, you know, what do you expect? Like, it's your fault. Yeah, I no, exactly. It. Almost like sex workers are a lower class of people, which... Is, is sad because so many people support porn or, or they, they consume it and to sort of then look at them as lesser people, I, I, it's, it's sad, really. I mean... The thing, the thing I hate is the double standard. Like, yeah. in mainstream, I think, didn't Louis C.K. get cancelled for asking someone to watch it masturbate something like that yeah and like one it was consensual i think because he asked like it's good to ask right i don't think he just like whipped it out and started jerking <laughs> um it's unprofessional sure um but my point is like that's not as bad as filming forced sex and releasing clips showing that it's not consensual and it's just up there for everybody to see. Like, where's the outrage? Why does nobody care? Yeah. I just think there hasn't been a lot of discussion about it or awareness because people are afraid to speak out. Um, I think, too, a lot of performers, they're afraid to speak out because it's going to get them blacklisted or it might get them, you know, to lose work. And but the public outrage, the public. Why? Like, there's I a think double standard. Like, you can be, you can't be racist on any social network without getting an avalanche of hate. Rightly so, in my opinion. So, how come you can be racist in porn and it's just like, oh, it's just porn. It's funny. Like, yeah. I just don't get the double standard over porn. Yeah, I, I just. Yeah, 
I think a lot of people just, they don't want to be associated with it. Because it's like almost like there's been a lot of, not so much now, but a lot of people almost treat porn, you know, like they are secret about it. You, you know, like it's become more mainstream and accepted now. But people were a little bit more, I think, not wanting to admit their involvement in it. And, and people are starting to treat performers like like equals, like, like they're, they're any type of performer, mm. you know, not just a sex worker. So I think that's part of it. I just think there there needs to be more people speaking out against sites like facial abuse. And I just think he, he needs to be exposed and it's only really a matter of time mm -hmm. before something happens. I mean, girls do porn, you know, they finally got what they deserved, yeah. you know, taking advantage of young women committing crimes. And I think that Duke and facial abuse have gotten away with a lot of terrible things that they've been doing because no one's really talked about yeah. it. So hopefully, you know, with me speaking out with companies like Exodus cry, putting them in their documentaries with someone like Paul doing investigative reports, it's going to help authorities realize what they're doing and hopefully something comes out of it yeah no i hope so you know and yeah i mean and i'm hoping to just i find the right attorney that's gonna help me get my domain back and just the whole trademark thing and the cyberbullying the doxing i think it's only a matter of time before yeah. Hope you know. Hopefully, the universe is on my side because it's 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 been difficult dealing with facial abuse and dealing. I can imagine just the online harassment. And it seemed like you were dealing with it mostly on your yeah. own. Like there wasn't really anyone else speaking out or taking up the cause. So, um, but yeah, hopefully, it's yeah. going to get better. And exactly, you know, the world so. does improve. Our morals do get better generally. Like I think all industries constantly like the point is we has got a lot better in the past 10 years but we just need to deal with the outliers i think the ones that refuse to get better so is there anything else you want to talk yeah, about absolutely or, um, or anything else you want to bring up i mean i i think we got i think we got most of it i mean th there was a few details that I didn't totally go over. I mean, even like there was even an incident where he's, he asked me to have sex with a dog. I mean, yeah. he's asked multiple performers that. Do you think it's real or do you think he's trolling? I think it could potentially mm. be real. You know, I mean, it's very I don't lucrative, have, that industry. I know that because they film it here in Hungary. It's. Not not yeah. facial abuse I mean, filming here, but Paul yeah. knows a lot more. Yeah, I mean Paul knows a lot more about that, but oh, I just think like the blackmailing 
that he does too. He's gotten away with mm. a lot of stuff. It's really bad, but I think yeah. we I think we covered a lot. Appreciate yeah, it. thank you so much for coming. And yeah. I don't. Do you want to tell people where to find you and all of that stuff? Obviously, I'll link to it. But feel free to shout yourself out. Yeah, I think the easiest thing is just my website. Uh, felicityfelineofficial.com like there's pretty much everything on yeah. there instead of you know I the multiple social media sites yeah, and everything yeah. alright well thank you so much for being on the show and I just hope it makes a difference um, I think if it doesn't we just have to keep trying because sooner or later someone with yeah. some power has got to do something um yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for having me 